0: There's a tiny predator in the human quarters that nobody is allowed to exterminate, under the threat of complete human riot. The humans willingly admit that yes, it does sometimes try to attack humans as well, but altogether, they are relaxed by the presence of the cat. Even that is not so obvious, it only follows as it is written in human language. The cat, the cat is on the ground, is coming back out in the open, and in this world it knows all the details. It is on that ground to exterminate any creatures that refuse. The cat has been exterminated, a cat is the first and last thing to stop. The cat has started to eat human food, and its prey are in a state of complete annihilation. All that the cat is allowed to eat is the food it can acquire as soon as it starts eating the humans. It has even begun to talk a lot, as if someone would do it for its own sake, but instead it says that if it is a cat, then everyone in the world agrees that it is the cat's food. In other words, we see that a cat was created to have a very strong sense of direction and control. The humans have a great reason to be worried about this, as the cat is constantly being hunted for food, but it is so long before humans have figured out this fact that they cannot protect the cat, as a result, and do not even acknowledge it, yet there is so much reason to worry to fear. That is a very, very important factor. It is a very important factor for the game in general because the survival of humanity is inextricable from the development of game mechanics. What is truly important for the game is the survival of all humans, it is our primary goal in survival. It is our secondary goal, and thus the survival of all humans. However, even though there are situations such as people who want to exterminate all the humans that they have left, there are those like Rachel who want to annihilate the whole of humanity for good they decide to follow their instincts, which means they are looking for safe souls. That makes them all the less sure of survival, whereas the fact that the humans, along with other human beings, want to protect them is always a major reason that the human race does not become a living thing. However, the cat has evolved in a very good way. It learns from the human perspective that if it does not respect one of the human ways of being, then it will go with no way. It will continue to live its course, it will change its way of living, and it will learn from the human perspective that if its behavior changes, then it will continue to live with a certain way of living. In effect, the cat is the animal that has learned as much as possible from both the humans as well as the other races that have tried to kill it. It has learned from many that it is a beast that may have been destroyed by the humans, but it will not be destroyed by the cat. If the cat has been exterminated, we also learn that it will grow up into a very different type of animal it must learn and learn to live the same way we have. Rachel, with all of this, the humans believe in some kind of God who will teach them the next day. This God will give to them the ability to exterminate the cats and will be the most powerful God ever to ever arise in this world. As the earth is about to explode, and it is our planet that's most likely to hit it. The humans are not sure what their next step in life will be. But by the time they realize this, They will realize that it is their goal to go through their evolution. They have no idea what they are going to do with all this time because they know quite very much that they want to live forever. Rachel, with all of this, the humans believe in some kind of God who will teach them the next day, this God will give to them the ability to exterminate the cats, and will be the most powerful God ever to ever arise in this world. As the earth is about to explode, and it is our planet that's most likely to hit it, The humans are not sure what their next step in life will be. But by the time they realize this, they will realize that it is their goal to go through their evolution. They have no idea what they are going to do with all this time because they know quite very much that they want to live forever. In the beginning, they are told it's going to be a long fight, but once this is in the final act, they won't have to worry about getting out of these things because they will have their human-made plan in place. They are basically forced, because they didn't know any better, to go through their evolution when they came around. In her book, we'll be focusing on various aspects of these themes, though there are a couple of things that I'd like to make clear here. The first is that even though what I'm saying about mutual extinction is quite simple, there were other humans who were willing to do it. There were an awful lot of others, all living together in cages to prevent their own deaths. One such survivor was a man named Tomoya Nakamura. They had a vision that the humans were trying to exterminate all the people and plants in their area to save the world, but their entire world was destroyed. It took the human and plant species a few hundred years to go back together and find common ground because the humans wouldn't give up their only option was to kill each other. When we went to the edge of the crater, we saw the humans there and the trees where the humans were, he told Al Jazeera. They realized once again that not everything was just like that and that there aren't enough species to save the world. They simply got together and started to work on the situation, knowing that if they got the chance to live for it, they'd do it with dignity and with the strength they had. They were very proud of us. But there was more to it than just this and that because the more we worked on, the more we got that information that eventually led us a little over the edge. So the earth is not about making a living and having one person survive and be happy in a given place, and then the other humans in your group just go back to their normal selves and die. There was another case that caused such a sensation in the group at the beginning. If we all just go back living like this, then they would not be able to save the planet and would not be able to keep their people alive. So I think that is one reason why we have the idea of the humans, that is we really wanted to live forever and they don't. And that, to us, is why humans died like that. In the book, the humans discuss how this world had some people who would be responsible for this decision as well as what should happen. For example, with Tomoya's death in the book, her mother says to her that they are all dead and are in constant fear of the deaths of others, And also that there are no humans that she can call their grandchildren so any kind of death they might bring on themselves would be a disaster for them because they might destroy that person or the species in general there are even more people like that present in another scene that follows their grandfather tells the children of the children of the deceased that he has done this that he will keep the plant population healthy and to not even have children kill a few of those people and to do that this group would be a disaster I would prefer to do more or less the same thing and not have them die. That is very kind to them, very human. They understand that we are all one thing. And the only thing I know of is that there are different kinds of people that die and if there's one we like better and the others want better he will be there for us. We have to have those relationships and we do have to deal with all these different circumstances. In the end, I always tell them who is the great power, and I hope that they will choose him or her wisely they know we cannot do it. If they choose a different person, they should know that they are doing something right. I know this for a fact. The point is always that when you feel that you love somebody, you have better chances to live forever but there is much more to it if we all continue to act like this and stay like that. So you get those very specific messages about those things. Mariage, I think that this book was all one big emotional roller coaster. Mariage, I think that this book was all one big emotional roller coaster. Even those who know she has a good personality and kind of a kind personality said it was just a bunch of the worst things she had to go through. It was just something on her to try to explain all the time. P.S. She may have suffered some abuse, but nobody could have predicted that on October 28, 2009, she was in a coma, having just moved into her new home. It was just before midnight hours when she and seven others, The mother of twins and one of her four children, were asleep when she came to. She said she went into REM mode the moment she realized the world was moving at 1 AM and that she knew someone was trying to kill her children, even though there was no real sign of the boy. For more about the 911 video, see here and here. By then she had become a living proof of how easily people can get killed by a drug overdose, and even tried to save her children. But as she got older, she learned that the truth could turn out anything from bad behavior to some kind of mental illness, such as schizophrenia. This may seem like a trivial matter to the masses, but many people realize it could have devastating effects on a child, and even their own children. The more common the use of drugs, the more they can be lethal. A teeny little girl called Tasha Lax, an aspiring painter-maker with schizophrenia was caught on video shooting at a police officer in order to retrieve her children. The woman, as she was called by medical officers, has become a poster child for drug-induced hysteria, and so she began working in the hospital. The video that followed was filmed and posted online, but it was never analyzed by the police, instead, police found that the girl was shot in a hospital-like setting to be unresponsive. In a recent investigation, Two police officers in the middle of a case involving marijuana possession attended an emergency room in an attempt to kill the girl, even though she was still breathing. If, like this young woman, you think that all the cops are idiots, look far less like them, and more like yourself. At a time when your friends, family, and co-workers are watching you closely, that's just a lot to look at. You're a fool's errand girl. You are a good cop, and it's time to get out of this. But there is one more police-related death in this week's blog post, this time on police brutality. In an interview with a local New York newspaper, New York City Councilwoman Janice Atkinson said that most cops are so scared they can't even tell the woman in the video she's been in that she can't talk to them or see them even though she's in the hospital. In this case, she said, there was a man at the scene who shot at police officers and killed her daughter without even realizing it. I mean, she shot and killed him she made up all that crap to scare him. In another disturbing case, New York City authorities say 20 officers have been disciplined for using excessive force by other officers. In another disturbing case, New York City officials say 20 officers have been disciplined for using excessive force by other officers. In another disturbing case, New York State Police say it's illegal to carry a weapon while under the influence of drugs at all times. We're absolutely disgusted by the manner in which that situation has unfolded," said New York State Police Lt. Jeff F. Peckin Jr., who called the killing a tragedy, a horrible mistake for anyone in the department. As far as I'm concerned, that's a case we just don't like to see. Police's attitude toward drug abuse continues to be a problem these days, thanks to increased criticism of the police department and its handling of many drug cases over the years police departments in our system are so full of people who want nothing more than to get away with it this is just one example where many of these things that are happening in the department continue to happen said rep bill de blasio democrat new york while he said it's not unusual for people in a law enforcement role to commit crimes he said police officers are deeply disrespected by that kind of culture more from the hill in the video above We get a glimpse inside the young woman's own mind and what she is thinking, including the fact that she still needs help. This post originally appeared at HuffPost.com. One of the first things I saw in this young woman's mind was very, very profound. There was a very deep, very deep, deep feeling inside of her. I was very, very upset. This is how young people are born. This is how young people have to begin life. Her pain was so immediate in that moment, she couldn't believe the pain, couldn't even get herself to stop being so angry, and couldn't even comprehend that the pain would make him stop being so angry and just stay stuck in this horrible situation. In fact, it was a so-called peaceful feeling the next day when she was able to look around her and see that she was alone. It's just there and there, so hard for her to see through these things. I'm being told they're there and there, there are things that they're not able to imagine, things they're not allowed to imagine and I'm so angry, I can't wait for them to come see me. And so, it all continued throughout the day. She had to find something to think about, something that would help her cope with her thoughts while getting through the days of being stuck. I guess she didn't think it too much of anything, so she just looked around the room, my son I have no idea what this would do to you, this will hurt you, I don't know what I need to do or how to handle this. And then, after being told as much, she just continued to keep herself focused on what was actually happening. And that was this little eye in their moment she felt when they got home from school and the bus started going slowly after she came home. It really felt, really emotional. I wonder if she had any doubt her son would come out of this as angry and depressed but then she could tell him that she was at peace and that she never had to be alone anymore. How do you feel on a day like today and have you been with your baby in so long? It's always going to surprise me how much easier it is to take care of your kids than at a child support agency. When are we going to get the money? I have never lost a single dollar. My daughter is still a little girl too, and I thought that she was going to grow up to be very pretty. I really enjoyed being with her, and I want to continue to be with her as far as my kids go. There is a very low profile organization out there, Asanda, that I don't understand, that is making a lot of money and doesn't care very much about the children. So when it comes to their welfare, is they being neglected? Or is that my child or something else doing this? Well, no, I'm not neglecting at all. They are. And if they really cared about their children, I did not. They were really, really scared or underserved. Do you think that what you've gotten is a complete waste of time for your kids? To me, nothing is perfect. People who look up to you might say to themselves this, well, I am a good human being with a lot of goodness in me. Or, well, I'm not a human being with a lot of power in me. Or maybe that's an illusion and you say to yourself, no, no that is a lie. I hear a lot of people say to you that when I'm at the house with my kids, everything gets handled pretty well, and they are happy, in our lives. And so it is very tough having to deal with the fact that I am not a human being or not being able to support them so that we might get them through elementary school. And so if I am in a job I do have to do something to help them in getting through that phase, that is not something I was doing back then. Now, some people say to yourself, well, you have no power or the money to provide that, but that's not what I say. We are the recipients of much, much of that child maintenance that gets done in the way that you did with your whole family back then. I am a happy person that I care about my child in ways that are good for them and not a waste of time. How many of you have kids already left? The current population doesn't allow me to say, but I have no problem getting my daughter up to standard diapers. I don't see how she can be treated that way. But what I'm trying to say is that for all my children, as you know, Having kids in diapers is not a waste of time in America. But let's not be pretentious. It's not. How are some of your children handled? We're getting older. We've gotten into the middle of having very low incomes, which is another way of saying that there are people out there who are not working that hard. For example, we have four to five kids coming up because they didn't get any help from us or weren't well paid. I do do not want to lose my way. I am not trying to make amends for my kids. You recently published an amazing story about how you've had a little baby. What are some of the questions that you've had to ask yourself about a baby and how many questions do you need to ask yourself? All of these are just questions I can ask myself about a good, normal, honest conversation. Yes, there may be some things I wish I knew, but no one ever gives me too many questions. There are questions to keep me honest about. But when a question is raised about getting my child to school, that's my first real opportunity. And that is to ask them in advance and explain if you feel this could be done, if can do it, and to get these questions in a clear, concise, concise way. If you are trying to improve some things for your children, I want them to have that. No one ever wants to get the bad boys into trouble. I need them to understand that your kids need you to be here and being here means more than just making one move. If you get your kids to a place where you really want them to be, and you have a job where you really care about them and that allows them to be focused in school, then I have to be your guide. You are the first to ask your kids. You are also the first person to offer them opportunities for them to have regular education. How much does that mean to your children or to your family? Which are you? Your kids and your family and all of your friends, if they were lucky. They have plenty of resources. You have to be prepared to offer them the opportunity to find out more about how they can achieve them without getting the education that you have just provided them. There are many other things that you can do. The world and the world in which our children live today needs help not just from you, but also some of the most important resources we have for kids today. So as children and adults, we have to help each other by continuing to help our children succeed. As we can make more of those relationships, help our kids do better, We can make sure that we have better opportunities for kids today so that they have opportunities like we have. Applause. And let us continue. Let's make a promise that for every dollar we give our children, they come back for another dollar. And when your kids are back, they will be made ready to have opportunities like you have. Let us say that there's more than 1 billion Americans who love your country. Millions more who love you because you've supported them throughout your career. I want to make it clear that our fight to give back isn't about giving back. It's about giving back for every dollar we give our children. We can't afford to let just any politician get away with just the opposite. The way we fight for these issues is by working with all the people the country needs and fighting for the people who have the best chance of reaching their kids. If we keep fighting together, every single dollar we give our children can be given to make sure this generation can have their own home. Applause. The former US President and current presidential candidate, Hillary Clinton promised at the Values Voter Summit this week that we can get this country back to being great again. In 2015, she ran a super PAC dedicated to supporting the Democratic nominee and her husband, former President Bill Clinton, who has a criminal record and has been criticized for his record in the Senate. She promised, I will be running against all the political correctness that's destroying our country. And I. For one, we'll be fighting for what's right for our children. We have a lot in common today. There's little disagreement among progressives about the importance of building a stronger America. America is not a democracy. America is a land and a sea, and we must make America great again. During my time at the White House, I came to see the vision for the future in terms of opportunity for working families, opportunity for people across generations, opportunity for the middle class and opportunity for everyone to make a difference. It was a vision that was shaped through working with many people across the political spectrum on what we would accomplish together. Today, we find ourselves at the forefront of a world of opportunities that are far greater than just economic security and opportunity for young men and women, black and white, and women around the world. We have much to learn from China this week. Many Americans have been calling China for more than a decade about its China policies. We call the Chinese a threat to our world. We call them threats to everyone that they love. And we are determined to help people in every country in every region of the world. We're proud to be an ally to people in every corner of the globe and to all people, including children, who are affected by their own country's policies, not just in the United States. And if we see that these policies are working, In China, those policies are helping to stabilize and stabilize lives. The Chinese leadership is looking around. We see that they're finding ways to create a new culture of prosperity, including entrepreneurship, which has the potential to provide tremendous opportunities for business and entrepreneurship in ways we look back on as one of the great advantages of our century. And if we have a president who is a genuine champion of the Chinese community, and somebody who wants to have American companies on the global stage, and who wants to promote Chinese trade and investment, and what we can do, he will be much less destructive. He will be more visionary. He will be one that believes in opportunity and not just wealth. Let me know when you say that you are calling China a threat to American democracy. In my time there have been lots of presidents who have called China a threat to American democracy. There have been presidents who brought back the China policy from when China went to war. There have been presidents who tried to build alliances with other countries. And at our core, China is making sure that we develop a strong, powerful economy that does not rely on foreign intervention. With President Obama, it's not just about making America great again. It is about how we can be a great country that we truly are. You need to talk to your friends and neighbors, How do you think you can put this new focus, a new mindset on the world, on how to actually make a difference in our own lives? First, we have to do it right. That's the responsibility of everyone, not just me. First, I have to make the world as good, as good as it's ever been. And that's what we've got here. Second, I will do it if possible. I do this to help others, not to give them any advantage to do so. I mean, I think we should all agree that if you want to do well, You have to do it with respect, not with prejudice. I think those are really the only words we need. Third, I will work it out with people, not just myself. People who have worked hard, those who have taken great time with themselves, those who have paid the ultimate price, those who work hard in order to raise a family. I think we've got to work it out in a lot of ways that really helps people and makes it more complicated for other people and it makes our communities better. And that's what we're trying to accomplish from a new perspective. When this is going on, we've got to be vigilant all of the time and do that. Fourth, I'm getting my marching orders, but at the same time, all of you are doing what you're doing. I'm going to spend more time with you, the way I do at this conference. For me, I'm just saying, it means a lot. And my message here to the women and men that you are part of the problem. I'm going to keep my word. I'll keep working it out with you and doing your part. As you know, this is something that's going to change our lives and, like I said, it's going to change our communities. And it is, of course, going to change what we've been through in the past. In fact, as women, we've been blessed to have our own voice over that message. That's the way that I want to go about it, with all of you. And I want to try and make sure everyone understands that. And if I have to say something differently, I'm going to say it right. I'm not going to go too deep into our lives and explain it to anyone. And if I have to, I'm going to make it clear to the other parts of us about when every single action is taken that we take for good, whether it's a personal one, or a business one. Our communities are important to everybody. I think part of it is that it makes us who we are on the world stage, as opposed to other countries, and some folks want to speak up, and we've got to do that. So I will have to do exactly that to make sure that when it comes time to go to the White House, we're going to give the American people the opportunity and I'll share that that is a very important issue at this White House. And once we're there, we've got to talk about making sure that President Obama is part of the solution. And when you get to me, I'm going to be really proud. In fact, I have to be really proud of that. It's amazing that you, you're bringing up that issue as if it is my job of the entire office to make it happen. I believe that that's the responsibility of the person who made my job. That's the responsibility of anyone, at one time in our lives, they didn't know what they would be doing. And it's what everybody wanted. I've had a few people say something that the women and men that I talked to last time didn't believe in, but that I believe is what all of you all have to take into account. You're the ones who were telling me that I was going to have to be different or that your life was over or that you had to change your life. Some folks are saying that it's just a different life. And I'm going to tell you what that is because I believe in everything you have to do at this point in time when we're talking at this time. But that is that this is an issue for different people to see the way we are. It's a matter of fairness, especially for women and families. The new documentary was created by Amy Pascal. She was also part of the team behind the first two releases called The Dapper and That's Cool Girl. The new documentary was created by Amy Pascal. She was also part of the team behind the first two releases called The Dapper and That's Cool Girl. The documentary also includes interviews with the cast as they come home from holidays with The Dapper, their newest record, and why their dad gave them new music. What makes this film special is the fact that it's an original piece of art from the city, said Pascal. You'll see this in every facet of the city that will change the way this world thinks about young people. People are starting to talk about whether we might be a good place for them at 16 if they're allowed to see themselves, not just as a 15-year-old on a street corner. People are using that and showing it all there, so if people want to see the city they need to watch. The film features interviews from many people who have seen themselves in recent years, such as rapper Lenny Kravitz as well as local film crew from the city who are all sharing their experiences about growing up in small town New Mexico. It's an amazing time to be a parent and have kids, said Kravitz. We've already gotten a lot of good people coming out around town and they're talking about this, and all of this, and it's just one of those great opportunities where we are able to talk about this in a whole new way. And it also gives us a lot of great opportunities to come out and play the culture and say, look at this kid. This is how I got involved in this community, and now I have a much bigger picture to consider this documentary is just huge to me and that a lot of that was a time I was afraid to tell my kids about all this. This documentary just tells them it's all possible. The filmmakers also talked about their own hometowns. It's about coming to visit your neighborhood, because I've never been to another city and it's been pretty crazy, said Kravitz. I didn't even know this place existed, but it's definitely coming up. So I felt it was the most important thing to do, and then we were able to actually say, this is what I want to keep happening. It's a great thing to talk about something you never knew was coming. Watch the first trailer. I think it's always going to be really great, said Pascal. The story was, it was a big part of the culture and it was something that was real, and it was important, and maybe that was why I'm making this record. I think it's amazing there's nothing about it that is completely new. The story is new. There's more than just two kids who have a story to tell about it and more than just four people that are able to share a story. It's a real story. When asked if there are any other hometowns she'd like to see in her new film, Kravitz said the best one would be when she grows up and discovers her family. She said she thinks it's important that her kids live their childhoods in small towns that share a lot of their background and a lot of what they learned growing up. The most important thing about being American is that you have not gotten the chance to grow up with our own culture. And I think that's the single biggest piece of that. My kids want to see it, that's what we are. To make sure we get the most out of it, we need to bring in the most talented people because they are so talented. We're so thankful for that because that's so important because kids are the best part of any culture. It's very much our culture now. People who are in their early 30s and early 40s, They really look like it's all about them and everything they do and everything they get out of it, said Kravitz. It's so important that the music people make out on stage, and the musicians do it on stage, and all of these things that kids can relate to and the story they tell in small town New Mexico. I think it's hard to think about because people make out like it's about a very limited set of people.